short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. People, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. to the cold war episode 64 the end of the last episode mm-hmm. honest harry truman threw everyone the bus <laughs> threw everyone under the bus after uh they had uh canceled the shipments lendly shipments to the soviets and then changed their mind uh and of course <laughs> that's why he is famous for the saying the buck stops here Unless it stops over there, or I was going to say, there. yeah, the bug stops right, right that grew with grew, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as, as you can imagine, with this major screw up, the the momentum, especially around the State Department, of being a little tougher with the Soviets, kind of lost momentum when you have the fiasco of the way he talked to Molotov, when you have the shipments uh, screw up, so that so that kind of loses steam. And as you can imagine, Truman's going, well, these guys have given me bad advice. It's time for me to seek some advice outside of my administration. So he casts his eye out, and he come again comes upon Joseph Davies, the former U.S. ambassador to the uh, Soviet Union. He needs he needs a fresh perspective. Yeah, he met with Davies before his first meetings with Molotov. Davies said, you know, probably I'd go in with a gentle touch. Truman said, right. fuck off, what do you know? Went in, stomped around, it's all blown up. <laughs> and he's out. gone, uh, right. Davies, Davies. So Davies... <laughs> tell, me can, more, tell me more about this gentle touch. Yeah. <laughs> Davies convinces him to change his approach. Now... Truman wants to send Davies to Moscow to open up discussions and uh, apologise to Stalin, basically. But Davies declines, <laughs> saying, look, I'm, I'm not well. I'm in ill health. <laughs> My heart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Instead, he says, why don't we start working on a fa- another face-to-face meeting with you and Stalin? And maybe if we have to, we'll um, invite the fat man. He said, oh, really? Fats Domino? He goes, no, the other one, uh, <laughs> Churchill. Um, and so that becomes sort of the beginnings of the Potsdam conference that we will get into. By the way, um, we have a great uh, scholar, Michael Nyberg, who has written an excellent book on the Potsdam conference. He'll be coming on the show uh, in sort of um, December, I think. Um, nice. Now, Churchill had actually been suggesting another meeting of the big three pretty much since... FDR died uh, and he was pretty keen to get it out of the way before the British elections uh, that started on July 5th so he'd been mm-hmm. trying to set this up for you know quite some time but the Americans kept stalling they wanted to push it out to July or August why well you'll find out <laughs> yeah so so Truman's 
basically he needs a face-to-face with Stalin because they got to work out, you know, the future of the world. But it's very important for Truman to convince Stalin that FDR's policies towards Soviet Russia are still in place. Yes, we had a bumpy road. I'm a country bumpkin. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm sorry I yelled at your guy about that. Uh, But I, I want you to know that what FDR wanted for you and for the world, that's what I want too. And I really, really, really would appreciate it if you believed everything I just said. But the point is, he's got to, he's got to get this message to Stalin that FDR's policies are still in place. Please don't abandon me. When did John Wayne films start becoming popular? When did they stop? Start becoming popular. I know he sort of came up in the... Well, his first big role was in The Big Trail in 1930, but I think his career really took off when he made Stagecoach in 1939. So I kind of see, um, you know, uh, uh, Truman is adopting not only the Tom Pendergast persona, but a bit of John Wayne. (laughs) This is where... American presidents started thinking of themselves as uh, John Wayne-esque. Right. Um, or uh, Marion Mitchell Morrison, as uh, he was originally known as. Or Ooh, Marin, glad he changed his name. Marion Robert Morrison, he was born. Um, Marion Morrison, so he was M&M. He was original M&M, John Wayne, uh, m and M. Um, yeah, just this whole sort of, well, I don't know there, Pilgrim, why don't you step on down and I'll punch you in the jaw like a man kind of uh, persona right. that they started yeah. developing, you know? They all uh, they all wanted to be John Wayne, tough guy. But Jeez. it wasn't just Truman that was upsetting the Soviets. On May 18th, the fat man harangued the Soviet ambassador Fedor Gusev. Uh, when he went to meet with him, he was getting stuck in a Gusev about Poland, etc., etc., etc. He used such harsh language that Gusev wrote a complaint to Moscow. He said Churchill had been full of threats and blackmail and yeah. that he suspected Churchill was behind the increasingly anti-Soviet tone being displayed by the British press. He wrote... We should recognize that we are dealing with an adventurer who is in his element at war. And yeah. he was probably right. I mean, Churchill, yeah. as we know, only got the job as PM because they were in the middle of a war and everyone thought, Church, the fat man, he's a crazy motherfucker. Keep him, <laughs> keep him away from the, the big office. Unless we're in a war, then... Get him in because he's yeah. fucking crazy, man. Like, you, you know, and yeah. now the war is over. They're like, we don't need him anymore. Now, for Churchill, he's not, he, he doesn't want to give up. He's not tired. He's not yeah. spent. He's not a spent force. So if he can keep Britain on a war footing, it does, mm-hmm. you know, they keep the people scared about what might be around the corner. That's good for his ah. chances in the upcoming election. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. Now, I thought it was interesting that not only does Truman want 
FDR, uh, Stalin to believe that FDR's policies are still in place. But even Harriman, who obviously was taking a, a much harder line, is suggesting that, yes, we have to set up a whole new conference between Truman and, and Stalin. If we have to redo Yalta, we'll do it, whatever. Even if Ray and Cam have to go another 25 episodes to cover that. But the point <laughs> is, even even Harriman is like, we need Harry Hopkins. We need one of the old regime of the FDR's group to go over talk to Stalin, someone Stalin would want to talk to, someone Stalin would trust as much as he would trust FDR, and that oh, the only person that there is is Hopkins. We need Hopkins to salvage this situation that I helped screw up. Getting back to Churchill before we get onto that, though. Yeah, sorry. Churchill mm-hmm. um, was drinking more than ever, according to Sosa's oh, clause to him. Now, some people weren't sure that was even humanly possible. But uh, he was pushing the boundaries. He was... He stuck an IV in his arm. He was like the first guy to run the four-minute mile. But in this case, it's how much champagne can one man drink in a day. Uh, (laughs) Joseph Davies paid him a visit in June. Yeah. And he said that Churchill was yelling and screaming about the Soviet Union so much that Davies actually asked him if he was now willing to declare to the world that he and Britain had made a mistake in not supporting Hitler and had bet on the wrong horse. Oh, shit. Yeah, Davies was a big Stal- uh, um, um, Soviet file, B- big fan of of uh, Stalin, even when and he was there during the height of the Great Purge, but he just really believed that Stalin was an awesome guy and that the way Soviet Russia was doing things was 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 the way to go. I'm not sure that's a fair uh, interpretation of Joseph, Joseph Davies' position. That he was a Have huge... you read his book? Have <laughs> you, did, you, did you read about his book? Uh, yes, I haven't read it, but I know okay. about it. But no, I, right, I right. I don't think he was very, a huge very... fan. I, I, well, the, the book that I was, you said he called him a uh, Soviet file, but basically he wrote a very pro-Stalin book uh, mission to Moscow, whatever. But but the point is, he seems to have. Um, if if you can ignore Stalin, his mistakes at the height of the Great Purge. That that's I don't know that that's that's a hell a hell of a pair of blinders you have on. Hmm. Well, I don't know about that. I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say he ignored it, but um, I think he. We can. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I think he had a, a measured approach to it. But anyway. Um, let's get back to so he, Churchill. So he said, uh, you know, he said to Churchill, so you, you think you should have bet on Hitler instead then? So he said that shut Hitler up. He, he, he thought Hitler, sorry, shut, shut, yeah, shut, well, Hitler was shut up, but yeah, shut Churchill up. He said Churchill seemed tired, nervous, and obviously working under great stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Davies suggested at one point that Truman might want to meet with Stalin in private before Potsdam. Churchill lost his shit again. <laughs> I bet he did. He later wrote to Truman saying, I should not be prepared to attend a meeting, which was a continuation of a conference between you and Marshal Stalin. Then he Got began another anti-Soviet rant. And Davies later wrote, During his castigation of our Russian ally, I thought I was listening to Goebbels, Goering, and Hitler. Ooh. Ooh. Davies then wrote to Truman and said that he thought the United States could and should 
ignore Churchill's wishes in the hopes of a rapprochement with the Russians and that they should avoid a showdown between the superpowers or, he predicted, an armaments race would probably bankrupt us. Yeah. But I, the one thing I, uh, that I... I don't know if I admire, but the one one thing I totally understand about Truman is that, yeah, he wants to be able to get along with Stalin, but he is not going to go to the degree that FDR did by cutting Churchill out. He doesn't trust Churchill any more than he trusts Stalin, but he's certainly not willing to cut this guy off just to appease Stalin like, uh, like FDR was doing. This guy is going to play his game close to the vest and wisely not trust either one of these men who have a significant amount of more experience uh, with diplomacy than he does. Mm. So, as you say, um, instead of Davies going to Moscow, Harriman and Hopkins, who was literally on his deathbed from stomach cancer, but when they said, hey, do you want to go to Moscow? He's like, yep, I'm up, and he jumped up, <laughs> threw on some clothes, quick shit shower shave, grabbed his suitcase, and he was out the fucking door before anyone knew what was happening. He was like the flash. He was just out. Right. He now, ran I, I just all have the way to, to Moscow. Yeah. He ran on the top of the water. Uh, Harry Hopkins will be dead in seven months, but he gets off of his bed because the president has asked him to. And again, and he probably knows he's one of the few people that can really talk to Stalin. And he's going to go over there and he's going to deliver the message that Truman wants him to. Now, they managed to break through the stalemate on Poland, but it's done on Stalin's terms. <laughs> he said, Stalin, this is, told Hopkins, at Yalta. No, that's Churchill. Fuck. Vodka. At Yalta, it had been agreed, <laughs> our three people, <laughs> that the existing government was to be reconstructed and that anyone with common sense could see that this meant that the present government was to form the basis of the new. No other understanding of the Yalta Agreement was possible. Despite the fact that they were simple people, the Russians should not be regarded as fools, which was a mistake the West frequently made. Now, st let me ask you this real quick. Do you think Stalin's right when... when I, th I think he's taking the letter of Yalta and not the spirit of Yalta when he says the new the government the new Polish government will be based off of the old which is obviously my men I, I think he's reading it the way that is advantageous to him so I think the Americans have the Americans and the British have to some degree a right to be frustrated with him because he's refusing to see their point of view now, my recollection, and um, I, I think we should maybe re-record our 25 hours of Yalta so we just you know, get some clarity on this, but <laughs> Stalin's intransigence on mm -hmm. the Polish issue at Yalta basically wore them down. All he would agree to in the end was, yes, they will have free and fair elections, and yes, there will be a new government. And yes, it can contain some of the Poles in exile in London. And we'll work out the details later. That was right. at the very last session that we were on Poland. That's all they could get out of him. So he's saying, well, yep, we are going to do all of that. But the government's going to be made up of my guys. 
they're saying, oh, hold on, we, we thought that meant... He's like, oh, I don't care what you thought it meant. What it meant was what it meant, motherfuckers. What it meant was we'll work it out yeah. later. And this is us working it out, and I'm saying... It's, you know, they're on my border. It matters more to me than right. it does to you. It's got nothing to do with you. Why do you give a shit? Leave me alone. You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of me. <laughs> my wife yeah. is the boss of me. <laughs> yeah, and Harry, Hop- Harry Hopkins was able to deliver because Stalin is going to invite some polls from London, even Stanislaw Nikowajczyk. And the Democratic polls from London are going to be able to go there. And they're going to be able to work out something as far as the constitution of the new Polish government. Yeah, they, he approves eight candidates uh, to attend the discussions in Moscow, which Truman and Churchill agree to. But Stalin refused to release the Polish underground leaders that we talked about in a previous episode who later went mm-hmm. on trial and were executed uh, or went to gulags, variety of the two. Now, even George Keenan Thompson agreed that Hopkins had negotiated the best deal possible under the circumstances. Yeah, and he didn't even want the Americans anywhere near any kind of agreement that had a de facto Soviet uh, sphere of influence. But he, but again, like you said, he goes, what, what Hopkins was a- able to achieve is the best we're going to be able to get. And he was very realistic and he said, let's just go with it. We're lucky to have this. Now, not long after Hopkins left Moscow, the Polish leaders all flew in. They had their meeting. Within days, they reached an agreement on the composition of the new government. The US approved the new provisional government. Churchill, so did Churchill, but he was still bitter about it. But basically, the Polish thing has now been sorted out, and that's one less thing that they all have to fucking fight about. And thanks to Joseph Davies' policy of sort of rapprochement, uh, reconciliation with the Soviets, the Potsdam meeting is finally agreed to and a date is set. Now, Davies, not Harriman, is going to accompany Truman, which is a very important point. Harriman, obviously, is the... Be, you know, get let's get tough guy. Davies is the let's like treat them like equals guy, and he's the guy that's going to go along with Jimmy Burns and Admiral Lay and a few others. Potsdam, of course, was a suburb of Berlin, which was now deep within the Red Army's zone of occupation. Yeah, and and again, I just think it's interesting that when Truman adopts Davies' policy, as far as he is concerned. Yalta, the Yalta agreement is now working. So finally, after everything we've been through, Poland is now settled. Everybody can just kick back, smoke a quick cigarette. But then um, Truman's got some very unpleasant business to do. He has got to inform the Chinese, uh, either foreign minister or ambassador, um, F, uh, foreign minister TV Song, about the secret agreement between Stalin and FDR in regards to Manchuria. So remember, Stalin said to FDR, no, it's okay if you tell him. So now Truman has got to deliver this very unpopular news, but it's part of the price that he paid when he became president and, uh, you know, is carrying on for FDR, who came up with the details for Yalta. So that's something he's got to do, but I'm sure he's not looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah, he said to TV Sung, uh, gotta tell you something, uh, we've signed away a big chunk of your country. All right, thanks, bye, gotta go. Oh, shit, look at the time. Uh, 
what you hasn't followed questions hmm. oh so i got a got a plane to catch song, yeah i gotta go yeah song Sorry. asked for clarification truman said i don't know i wasn't there well, yeah. <laughs> he said, "Do you have do you have the official you know transcript of what happened?" No, no, we don't. Not have that. as such. Can't find it. Right. Uh, no, we right. put it down somewhere. It was it. over there. I think the cleaner moved it. Don't know. <laughs> um, it was in a red folder, but that's all I remember. Joseph Grew was also in the room with the foreign minister, and he said, "What about you? Do you know what the did?" No, I don't know either. I wasn't. I wasn't, I, I wasn't there. there. No. Um, look, Sorry. don't worry about it. We'll work it out at Potsdam. Uh, it's just Manchuria. Yeah. Don't worry about it. God. Now, on the way to Potsdam, before he went, Truman also stopped at San Francisco to witness the signing of the UN Charter on June 26th. <laughs> the, charter, the charter was then brought to Washington by Alger Hiss, the man that you give... Highly important <laughs> classified. Well, it wasn't classified. But, you know. They said, "Who do we want to take this crowning achievement of human diplomacy? Uh, Who do we want to be? Let's find the Soviet spy. Where's the Soviet spy? Oh, here's there's so many to choose from. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't so remember he, that guy's takes... name, but it rhymes with piss. Is all I can ever think of. What's his name? Right." Miss yeah. So I I, I thought I thought he was this was interesting. He was on a special army plane. The uh document was in a fireproof safe and attached to a parachute just in case something happened. But he flies successfully across the country and he gives it to Truman, who is going to turn it over to the Senate. This very historic document. FDR's dream is now a reality. It's in a fireproof safe and had <laughs> A fucking parachute. parachute. Couldn't they just like have signed a backup copy and keep that in a safe somewhere? Yeah. Like you know, or oh, zero. No, yeah. plane got yeah. shot down. What are we gonna do? Just get the backup, man. There's a back there's we we got we had three or four signed. Like we're not just right. leaving up we're not idiots. We didn't just get one right. We've got redundancy, man. Like, come on. Anyway. Couldn't they grab a couple of monks to make copies? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Now, on the same day, Truman also announced he had basically fired Statinius, Big Steady, as Ooh. Secretary of State and replaced him with Jimmy Burns. Now, Not bad. Interestingly here, in private correspondence, Truman said Steady was as dumb as a horse. Uh, a lot of his private stuff, like he sacked a whole bunch of Roosevelt's cabinet at this point. And right. and basically disparaged all of them as being dumb and stupid and idiots and morons and useless and dead wood. Coming from the farmer. And coming from the guy that everyone else said was actually dumb. <laughs> right? He's really, dropped, really dumb. Dropped out of community college after doing like a <laughs> semester of bookkeeping. Uh, couldn't run a hat factory. Couldn't could, run a hat shop. Couldn't run a hat shop. Failed at a whole bunch of business, but he's calling everyone else dumb. Uh, and it, God, it reminds me of Trump, man. Like, you know, yeah. Trump's business uh, professor said that he was the dumbest <laughs> student he'd ever had, and yet Trump goes around calling everyone else dumb. Right. Makes this guy, Truman, has got a lot in, com- in, 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 in common with Trump, man. We should have seen Trump coming because we should have just seen that their names were similar and like, oh, yeah, Truman, <laughs> Trump, you know. It's like re- the coming again of Truman. Um exactly. 
Anyway, yeah, he, he makes Jimmy Burns his new Secretary of State. Now, again, Burns should be the president, technically. Right. He, he was the most deserving of being on the ticket in 44, but it is what it is. But now he might be the uh-huh. next president because, Ooh. according yeah. to the U.S. Constitution, at least at the time, not sure if it's changed because I know Truman wanted to change it, but at the time, if the vice president became president due to the death in office of the sitting president, the mm-hmm. vice presidency remained open and the secretary of state is the next in line. Right. Should anything happen to yeah. the new president. It is? Right. So yeah. yes. he's thinking, well, if anything happens to me, I don't want Big Steady being president because Big Steady's fucking dumb as a horse. Uh, <laughs> and I should know dumb, yeah. is what Truman said. Yeah, I should. I, 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 do, I, I know should dumb. He actually said, and they said, "There you no, that's that's wrong." Do what? It sounds like it sounds like you tweeted that. <laughs> yes. Oh, he just wished Twitter had been around then. He, he, he kept making phone calls. Somebody invent Twitter. Um. Oh wait. I don't want to have to think in more than 160 characters. Um. Now. Yeah, Burns. Um. As I've mentioned a few times. Not only was it Yalta and Tehran, he was at the Paris Peace Conference in 1919 as an advisor to Woodrow Wilson and may have, in fact, been the man who convinced Wilson to go to Paris in the first place. Mm. So he was there when they sort of established the League of Nations. He was there when the Americans decided not to be part of the League of Nations. Right. And and he was quite aware of all of this. Um, and he believed that... There were two main reasons why America didn't join the League of Nations. First, Wilson didn't involve any Republican senators in the Paris Peace Ooh. Conference. So right. they weren't going to support it because they didn't feel like they'd been party to the yeah. you know, the the signing, the glory of the, you know, the whole deal, the creation of it. Um and he also having served in the House of Representatives for 14 years and for the Senate for 10 years he knew that it was important to have both houses of Congress informed and up to date on what goes on at these conferences so they can you know continue to support it after the event second he argued that one of the reasons the US didn't get involved in the League of Nations was that they had made too many commitments to solve the economic problems of Europe after World War 1 uh, mm-hmm. essentially financing German reparations and he believed that had helped bring about the Great Depression, the economic and political instability that came along with it. So now that he's Secretary of State, he is going to be determined to make sure America doesn't make the same mistake again after World War Two. Steady, don't feel too sad for him. He became the first American representative to the UN. Truman said, Statinius is too dumb to be Secretary of State. It's too dumb to be next in line to be president. I know. We'll make him our first ambassador to the UN. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm trying to still trying to figure that one out. Yeah, but again, um, as far as getting ready for his trip, Admiral Leahy and Charles Bolin, who were at Yalta, are going to go with Truman, and they load up with him on the heavy cruiser Augusta. They're heading out. Truman has his FDR people, but the top, even though the last two episodes we've done. The top question on everybody's mind, as far as the Americans are concerned, not the British, but the Americans, is when is Russia going to jump into the war with Japan? Even though we've screwed up with the whole shipments thing, we are very keen to know when you are going to actively take part in helping end the war in Japan. Because America is looking at the projections of men, the number of men they're going to lose if they have to invade the home islands. The numbers are hideous. They want Stalin's help as fast as he's willing to jump in. Now, uh, A, I like the fact that the ship that they travelled to Potsdam on was the Augusta, a nod uh-huh. to our friend, the Augustus. Um, Admiral Lay wrote that he thought that Truman was so unprepared for this new role that he could not see how the complicated, critical business of the war and the peace can be carried forward by a new president who is so completely inexperienced in international affairs. That is, yeah, no parallel to today's. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Yes. Now, Truman arrived in Potsdam on July 16th, uh, one day before the official opening of the conference, and met with the fat man. (laughs) Now, Stalin, of course, completely controlled Berlin, uh, Mm -hmm. and he had them both immediately assassinated, and thus began the glorious Soviet empire that we still enjoy to this very day, comrades. Stalin the first. Stalin the first, yeah, yeah. Actually, Truman met privately no, with Churchill. Yeah. Now, we we know that's something that FDR would not do at Yalta because he didn't want to send Stalin the message that they were ganging up on him. Truman's like, fuck that. Who cares what he thinks? I'm, I'm meeting with him. I don't give a fuck. Now, that must right. have warmed yeah. the cockles of old fat man's heart, maybe even warmed yeah. the, the sub-cockle area. <laughs> Churchill told Lord Moran afterwards that Truman is a man of immense determination. He takes no notice of delicate ground, just plants his foot down firmly on it. Now, is that to be admired? Well, that's it. In my notes, I read, sounds to me like he's a bit of a cunt, really. That's. Yeah. Pe- <laughs> a jerk, a bully. Yeah, people who don't know how to be diplomatic. He's just a cunt. There's a dickhead. He's an asshole, really. Trump. Trump. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. is Trump, yeah. this guy, in so many ways. He's poor Trump. He's a poor version right. of Trump, really. Now, um, Churchill has got his own agenda when it comes to meeting Truman because, again, he wants to uh, he wants to get him on his side. He wants to seize him up, you know, try, try to get a sense of what Truman's all about. So Churchill sucks up to Truman. He speaks about his admiration for the United States' role in the world, but Truman does not fall for this. He is not going to be manipulated by Chur- uh, by Churchill or by Stalin, and you can't you can't fault him for that. Before Potsdam, uh, the the letters. Uh, from Churchill, uh, he had written a lot of letters to, to uh, Truman, like he had been writing to FDR. And again, Truman uh, at first agrees with Churchill's attitude about we have to take some kind of 
cohesive action as far as stopping the Soviets in Eastern Europe. But by the time Potsdam comes along, he is thinking very, he's thinking very differently. He's, he's listening to Davies and he's going to try to find a way to get along with the Soviets. Uh, and he's not, he's not worried about Churchill's goals. He's worried about his own goals. And again, he's just being very non-receptive to both men. He is going to tried to not be manipulated by either one of them. And both of these guys have decades of experience of manipulating people. Yeah. Yeah, Joseph Davies, again, who had been in London to see Churchill, uh, warned Truman that he thought the fat man was basically trying, just trying to secure America's help in securing the upper hand for Britain if that involves a new war after this or just wow. trying to get Truman's support for America, uh, England maintaining their empire. We know that FDR mm-hmm. had indicated to Churchill that he wanted the British economic bloc to be ended after the war. Um, and I think Churchill's basically just trying to get Truman to, to feel that he needed England and therefore... Mm would uh, support England's economic and, and military interests. Apparently, about a week before Roosevelt's death, Churchill had sent him a letter asking him to support a renewed Anglo-American push on Berlin, wanting to capture it before the Russians did. Right. Churchill said, um, if, they, <clears throat> if they also take Berlin, will not their impression that they have been the overwhelming contributor to the common victory be unduly printed in their minds, and may this not leave them in a mood which will raise grave and formidable difficulties in the future. Well, yeah, duh, they were the overwhelming contributor, you (laughs) daft old fool. Do you know how many casualties they took taking Berlin alone? No, tell me. The Soviets took 300,000 casualties just taking Berlin. Damn. Keep in mind, the Americans lost 400,000 for the totality of the war. That's staggering. England lost less. They lost like 320,000, I think, over the course of the entire war. The Soviets yeah. lost 300,000 just taking Berlin. So, yeah, so the Soviets are justified in thinking that they did the lion's share of fighting because they did. But Churchill wants the Americans and the British to ride in at the last minute and take credit. Well, we're here now. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, we won that one. Fucking look at us. They're like Pompey. Our old mate Pompey the Great. Let everyone else take care of 90% of the pirate problem. You go in and take in the last bit, and then you go, oh, well, take care of the pirates. Look at me. You Uh, know what? I think I'll call myself Magnus. That's what I think. Magnus Penis. (laughs) Big swingingest dickus. That's what Churchill wanted to do. Now, Roosevelt obviously ignored him and then promptly died, and... uh, it was the only way he could avoid like getting into these arguments with Churchill. I don't want to deal to with die. Churchill. Oh my god! Yeah. Hold on, they got take me that fucking noise again, bastards. But they do take a break. Yeah. It's been a while. They're cleaning roofs and and cleaning like power cleaning all of the houses here, and uh, so I think they just have to move a foot 
here, here, or there, or whatever. Gotcha. Now, after Roosevelt died, Churchill tried to resurrect this scheme and, and several other schemes with Truman. Truman pretty much refused to even discuss the issue, and his senior military advisors told him just to ignore Churchill, that Churchill was unimportant, which, of course, Churchill knew, and that was kind of driving him crazy. Uh, that the the British didn't even rank an answer. He was texting Truman late at night. (laughs) Did you get this? Did you get this? Are you there? Uh, Look, I don't want to be pushy, but... Yeah, pushy, but, you know, just just let me know that you're there. Sending him poop emojis. (laughs) (laughs) I feel... And then he put poopy. Um, Churchill wrote to Truman, I view with profound misgivings. The retreat of the American army to our own line of occupation in the central sector, thus bringing Soviet power into the heart of Western Europe and the descent of an iron curtain between us and anything to the eastward. I hope that this retreat, if it has to be made, would be accompanied by the settlement of great many things which would be the true foundation of world peace. So this is one of the first times that he uses the phrase he sort of made famous, the Iron Curtain. Mm-hmm. Apparently he wasn't the first person to use that term, but he certainly made it famous. Now he's yeah. he's trying to get Truman to use financial leverage. Um, <clears throat> here is actual recording of uh, Truman in his conversations with Stalin. Now... We'll all calm down. Oh, she's just a little excited. I know, I know. I'm going to use good judgment. I haven't lost my temper in 40 years. But Pilgrim, you caused a lot of trouble this morning. Might have got somebody killed. And somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. But I won't. I won't. The hell I will. (laughs) Doesn't that just sound like Truman? Like, (laughs) he's doing... I won't. Well, the hell I won't. (laughs) He's just... He's doing John Wayne, man. That's 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 true. And he just thinks he's John Wayne. Maybe. Ooh, well, I don't want to get deep on you, but maybe John Wayne is doing Truman. <laughs> oh, meta, meta. <laughs> Hour three. Maybe that's how my mind works. John Wayne was doing Truman, doing John Wayne. <laughs> I don't know what that means. My brain just exploded. Um, back to Churchill yeah. and Truman. Churchill tried to convince Truman to to tie the withdrawal of American troops to the Soviets giving them what they want in Poland. And right. Truman's like, yeah, yeah, no, I tried that tough thing. Then I remembered we actually need them in Japan. So no, just shut the fuck up, fat man. Shut the fuck up. Uh, stop confusing me. I'm already confused enough. Now, Churchill came to Potsdam in the middle of an election, not before the election as he'd hoped, realising that his efforts to get Truman on side hadn't worked, uh, basically everything that he suggested, Truman's just ignored. Now, Churchill's growing desperate. Right. Um, somebody noted, uh, Churchill noted, Churchill wrote somewhere that trying to interest the United States in these projects was like proposing marriage to a woman who would always be a sister to him. <laughs> so weird, okay, but no, like no go. Trying to bang a chick, and she's like, "Ah, oh, I just think of you as a friend." He's like, "No, right. I want to fuck you. I want you to fuck me." 
no, I no, so. you're like the mayor of friend zone, so yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he ordered his military strategist to prepare a contingency war plan <laughs> with the Soviet Union. Take to start on July 1st. Right. And what was the name of that war plan, Ray? Well, when he was deep in his cups, it was Operation Kick-Ass. When he sobered up, sobered up, it was Operation Unthinkable. Because how in the hell would they possibly have won? And he knows, he knows it's a gamble. Yeah. Um, basically, he wanted it to take place or to start uh, an Allied invasion of Soviet-held parts of Europe on the 1st of July, four days before the general election. Um, the plan was based around a surprise attack with 47 British and American divisions in Dresden in the middle of the Soviet lines. About mm-hmm. half of the divisions that would have been available to the British, American and Canadian headquarters at the time. Now, the, the British Chief of Staff's Committee... Um, said this whole plan was completely ridiculous because the Soviets, even with these divisions, these 47 divisions, Soviets would have still have outnumbered them two and a half to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just, just wasn't possible. Even if right. they took up to 100,000 German Wehrmacht soldiers and included them in it, it still wasn't going to work uh, unless they could really just take them by surprise and somehow you know, defeat them uh, quickly. Anyway, so, but Churchill was planning this uh, in the lead up to his election, which we know didn't succeed. Meanwhile, the Americans are counting on Soviet support. So the the, the Americans want the Soviets to join them in a war in Japan in August. But Churchill wants to go to war with the Soviets. He wants the Americans to go to war with them in July and still get the uh, get their support in Japan in August. I don't know. I mean, it's just right. it's a menage a trois that's gone bad. Yeah, I guess he's just. You know, I really think it's insane. I mean, the British aren't in any position to run another war, obviously, and right. he's just desperate. He he knows that politically, he mm-hmm. only has any cash back home if they're at war. As soon as they're at peace. No one wants the fat man in the big room. And in fact, of course, that is what happens, as we know. But we're going to say that surprise for... We're going to get surprised along with uh, Churchill when he finds out. And enjoy that moment. Yeah, I just wanted to finish by saying that going into Potsdam, Truman had one advantage that Roosevelt didn't have at Yalta. Mm. This is that Truman now knew what the S-1 project actually was. Uh, Within, I think, hours of him being made president, Stimson uh, and a couple of other guys had taken him aside and said, uh, we are building a bomb that could destroy the world. Uh, is how they put it. Now, 
he, he went into... The reason he'd been putting off the date of the Potsdam conference was that he wanted to put it off until they'd had a successful test of the bomb. He wanted to go into this round of negotiations knowing whether or not they had the bomb. I'm going to use a fucking bomb on these guys. <laughs> Give us that line again, because it was a good, but then they messed it all up. He wanted to go into the Potsdam conference knowing whether or not he had the most destructive weapon ever created in his artillery, being an old Mm. artillery man as he was. Now, of the advisors that went with him to Potsdam, only Burns, Admiral Lay and Stimson knew as much about the Manhattan Project as Truman did. He had written in his diary about a month before he left for Potsdam that he'd experienced some very hectic days. A small number of scientists and select senior military officials had briefed him on a weapon that could cause damage beyond imagination. At long last, the details of the S-1 project that he'd uncovered as a senator two years earlier were now his. And... Leading up to Potsdam, he and his advisors that were in the inner circle were starting to wonder not only if it would work, but if it did work, what they might be able to do with it. Because remember, it was originally built to defeat the Nazis. Right. The Nazis have already been defeated by the Russians. So now they've got a $2 billion bomb and no Nazis left to use it on. Uh, that's a cynical point of view. I'm not saying it's inaccurate. <laughs> I don't know why it's you cynical. That's billion- exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what they were thinking. They had spent two billion building this thing to use on the Nazis. Now the Nazis were gone, and keep in mind that. At the, they, they couldn't put off Potsdam. They, they thought they were going to have a test of it before this for a whole variety of reasons, weather reasons mostly. They hadn't been right. able to hold a, a test of it. So when he had left for Potsdam, he didn't yet know whether this bomb actually worked or not. Could have right. all been a huge fizzle and a failure. Could have just gone and uh, scared a few scorpions in the middle of the fucking desert in Los Alamos or wherever it was. But anyway, we will go into a lot of detail about the bomb in upcoming episodes as well as Potsdam. I promise you we won't do 25 episodes on Potsdam. 19. We'll cut it off at 24. (laughs) (laughs) Do I hear 22? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll try and keep it short and sharp. You already understand the issues; they're just going over them again. But um, we will go into a lot of detail on the bomb. Well, that's it, Ray, for this Woo! episode of the Cold War Show. We'll be back soon. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> Good night, George. 